Hey, my name's Britt, and this is your Only Black Friend podcast. I was a lot of kids' first Black friend. I created this podcast to create a space for learning, unlearning, healing, and defining what Black means to me and so many others. Your Only Black Friend podcast is starting the conversation about the isolating effects of growing up as an only in your friend group. My name is Shakia. I live outside of Phoenix in Arizona. Currently, I manage a different distribution warehouses out here. Growing up, me and my siblings actually grew up with my aunt who worked in Scottsdale, which is predominantly like the white neighborhood in Arizona. Um, that's where people go to retire. That's usually like where the wealthy lives. And being in this part of Arizona, all you really see are different white people around. So once we started living with her, she basically raised us on the idea that we needed to fit into that role and do things the way that they do things. So we grew up in the suburbs of this small town called Chandler. It's like a little ranch community. There was lots of animals and like livestock. You'd wake up and get that wonderful smell every morning. But ironically, the school we went to was predominantly Mexican. Because again, it's Arizona, so you get a lot of Mexicans out here. I maybe knew like maybe five people in my school that were Black. But we weren't, I guess, necessarily really friends. We just knew each other. Like we knew each, we all existed. So growing up, there was split between my siblings. You had the ones over here who were very into Mexican culture. And then you had like me and like a few of my sisters who were very into the white culture. So there wasn't really space for us to know our actual culture. So we just made our own thing up. And like we would get teased. Oh, you guys are Oreos and why does your voice sound like that? And I bet you listen to hip hop. And I'm just looking at them. Like, I don't even know what hip hop is. Like I'm over here listening to my punk rock albums. No idea what you're talking to. They'd be on the playground quoting black movies. And I'm just looking like I, do, I have no idea what that movie is. So I always felt awkward. Like these people who weren't even black were more black than me because I felt I was missing out on something that they knew like a secret that they knew that I did not know how to get in there like I even if I watch the movie I still don't understand why you guys are quoting this right now what's so funny about it or what's so important about it I just don't get it so that was a very difficult thing to navigate just like growing up in their schools this is something nobody has talked about on the podcast yet so I'd love to explore it but the idea of not understanding Black culture because you weren't exposed to it. And I'm curious for you, when did you finally start seeing Black culture and understanding it? This is funny because I'm literally the exact same way. I remember there was one time when somebody was quoting Friday. I had never seen Friday up until that point, but I yeah. pretended like I had seen Friday and I was like, yeah, I totally know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> And then it just kept going on and on from there. Like my friends would just randomly bring up things about black culture. And I'd be like, yeah, I know what that means. And then I'd have to go home and Google it. Did you ever have to do that? All the time. All, Google was my best friend. I'm like, okay, what's the basis of this movie? Or back then we had Netflix. So they would actually send you the DVDs. So I would rent all these movies online just so I can try to get some sort of knowledge. 
And sometimes I would get it, sometimes I wouldn't. I remember I had one Black friend and she lived in South Phoenix, which is back then was technically the hood of Arizona. And I would go to her with all types of questions. What does this mean? What does that mean? And she'd do her best to explain it to me, but I still just didn't understand it. I started realizing we were two different people. She lived one life, I lived another, even though we grew up in the same neighborhood. Just once we got older, she ended up there and I ended up over here. And I know there's things that she would look down at me and ask, well, how do you fit in corporate America? Why can't I do that? And I would tell her things like, honestly, you just got to be whoever it is they want you to be. Like, if you can be who they want you to be, you can pretty much get whatever you want. And it took me until like around the time I turned 30, which was just a few years ago, right before COVID, to realize that wasn't really right. That wasn't, I don't feel like I was living my true self because I was just being who they wanted this Black woman to be. I wasn't authentically being myself. And so I had to restructure my brain a little bit to say, it's okay for me to be out there and be bold and loud. It's okay for me to wear my natural hair. If I happen to like this hip hop song, it's okay for me to bump that in my car. On the flip side, it's also okay for me to bump my show tunes going down the street when I'm riding through the hood. Like everything's okay. There's no one out there who can tell me I'm any less black than the next person just because of how they perceive me. I'm constantly telling people, they like to um, tell me, oh, you sound like a white girl or you like these white things. And I will always tell them, no, I don't. Because anything that I do or say is black because I'm a black woman. Therefore, I can never do anything that is white. That makes absolutely no sense. So don't tell me I'm acting like a white woman because it's physically impossible to do because I'm not a white woman. So you can't say those things to me. And if I want to listen to hip hop, it, that doesn't mean that I'm just being blacker. If I want to listen to children's, that doesn't mean I'm being whiter. I'm just owning into my interests. And I think you guys should do the same. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's what makes us so multifaceted. Like we are so interested in a spectrum of different things instead of just staying within a box because of our race. Like I think of people who are very dedicated to Donald Trump and how they fit in that Mer Americana box. And like for us, like, you know, that's, that's technically a stereotype, but like for us, people look at black people as two, two ways, either like the good black, the one that's like very well educated, has a lot of money is the creme de la creme of, for white people. And then you have the hood black person who grew up maybe a little disadvantaged, listens to gangster rap. I'm just like making things up, but there's, it's like the only experience, like when you're an only, you get to be a lot more than that box that people put you in. You get to explore other things. But when we do get to explore and we get to and we present ourselves, that's when we get ridiculed from other people, specifically white folks of, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're stepping outside the box. You're you're not inside the box. Like what's going on? But I would love to talk a little bit more about the friend, the black friend that you mentioned earlier and how you guys you felt like you guys were like two different people from two different walks of life. So how did you navigate that relationship? I know that you guys went to each other for different advice, but was there anything else 
that you noticed that was different about your Black experiences? Well, she just seemed more in tune with herself. Like she could walk up to any other Black person on the street and like immediately sit in and they would look at me like I'm some foreign person. Just why are you here? Why are you not acting a certain way? Like, why are you just shy and reserved in your own little corner over there? Like, you're not interacting with us. So that made me feel extremely awkward. When I would go to her house and she had her friends there, I would immediately just want to go home. Because I'm like, this is going to be super awkward. They're just going to make fun of me too. Because you also have the space where Black people are making fun of you for not being Black enough either. So I'm just like, I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to go home. So the only time we actually had real fun is when it was just me and her because I felt I didn't have to hide because she knew me and she understood because she grew up in the town I did. She just ended up in a different town as we got older. So I'm like, you get where I'm coming from. And the older we got, the less we just kept in touch. I can message her right now and everything will be great. But I wouldn't say... We're the same as we were when we were younger, like besties. She chose to live a certain path. And it's whenever I was around her, I found myself trying my hardest to keep up and emulate what she was doing and how she was acting and how she was sounding. And it would cause a lot of trouble for me. And I had this huge fear growing up of being labeled that Black person. Like I didn't want to be the one always getting in trouble getting yelled at for being loud or being watched when I was walking through the stores and things like that. Cause I felt growing up around white people, I had the sort of same privileges as they did. And I was just blinded by the microaggressions and like the racism around me. I had no idea it was a thing until I got older and I started seeing the younger generation talk about it so much online, like TikTok and Facebook. And I'm just like, you know what? It, this is crazy. Like these young people are telling me about the experiences that they're having in public and around their other Black friends and like their white friends. And I start comparing it to situations that I had when I was younger. And I'm like, I did run into those situations where I would go into a store and where I thought the cashier was being super friendly by coming to find me and ask me questions and help me look for things, they were actually just watching me to make sure I wasn't stealing anything. I had no idea that was going on in my youth. And now that the younger generation is talking about it so much and I can compare my life so much with what they're going through, I'm now realizing it doesn't matter how I grew up, where I grew up, what I experienced where we really are all going through the same thing and we're more alike than people tend to believe out in the media. They want to say, oh, you grew up around wealth, so you have no idea what my trials and tribulations are over here in the quote unquote hood. And I'm looking at them like, no, it's, it's, it's not different. Just because you live in a different area or different area codes does not mean that you had more injustice than I did. We just live in different areas. That's the only difference. I was still treated as the Black person in this neighborhood, as where you weren't seen as the Black person in this neighborhood because there was other Black people around. You were just one of the people in the neighborhood. But as soon as we go outside that neighborhood into the public, we're both just those Black people out here 
in public. So we're still the same, like when you really get down to the deep in its core. No, that's so true. I actually, I was watching a TikTok the other day of this black judge who was basically saying as hard as we work as black folks, you can get to the highest court. You can like Obama, like you could become president, but you're still going to experience racism on a daily basis from people who don't like you. Like it does not matter how high up you go, the injustices and the microaggressions and the racism will still be there regardless. So I I completely agree with you. We do all have similar experiences regardless of our social economic status. And I think in some cases it makes life easier and makes it a little less intense when it comes to race relations. But on the other hand, it's more detrimental because like you said, down the line, you could be sitting back and thinking one day, oh crap, like we all go through the same experiences. And I was over here thinking that I was like a special little bean or something like that. There was something that you mentioned earlier about like, I wrote down delusion of being a black person. I know that's not the exact words that you said, but just like the fact that you grew up in a space that was predominantly white and you navigated those spaces with those white folks that you didn't really see yourself as different. Is that right? Completely right. I had no idea that we lived different lives. Like I understood that when I went home at night, my family might've been a little bit different than theirs. There was more of us. We ate different things. We dressed differently. We spent our time differently. But when I came to school, I was just one of the other kids around. I, I didn't see myself as the black kid in class. Like I was just another student in class. It's, it took other people who saw me differently, who wanted to show me their microaggressions to make me notice, no, you're very different. Like you're extremely different. Like I can remember times in school where kids would bring in snacks because we never did that. Like my aunt, she worked, she was well off, but there were so many of us, like the, the money went, it was stretched so thin. So we never got to take snacks to school. And I could remember my, my friends bringing in different snacks that I've never tried before or getting bagels for lunch. And I'm just like, well, I've never had a bagel. I've never had cream cheese, but I didn't. In my mind, because of what they were saying to me, they made me feel, oh, you've never had a bagel because that's a white thing. And it would confuse me. Like, what do you mean that's a white thing? Like, it's just food. How can it be white or black? But what they were really saying is, oh, you're Black, so you're poor. So you can never have these things. And I didn't realize that at first. And once I realized it, I got mean <laughs> to these kids. I would straight up tell them, like, you don't know anything about my life, my family. My mom, my aunt works for doctors. Like, we're not poor. Because if we're poor and we're here in the same space, that means you're poor too. Because your family can't send, afford to send you anywhere else. So you can't say that to me, but they didn't understand. They just saw, oh, well, you're a Black person, so you're automatically poor because you dress like this and you eat this. So at first I would start to believe it. I'm like, I guess Black people are poor. And I started falling into the stereotypes of what they thought I was. And I'm like, it must be true because everybody's saying it. Everybody's saying we're poor and we're loud and we're ghetto. So it has to be true. And that would just make me fight even harder to act the way that these white people wanted me to act. Like I had to be respectable. I couldn't be loud. I had to be very quiet. 
I had to, when I talked to them, I had to be very proper and make sure that they understood me. I had to dress like them and learn like their languages and their ideals to the point where I started looking down on Black people. Like I literally had zero Black friends when I hit like junior high school where I would look down on Black people and say, oh, you're ghetto. Like, why do you have to be so loud? Just be quiet. Just if you're just doing what they're saying, then everything, you won't get in trouble. You won't get yelled at. And as an adult, looking back at the way my mind was, it makes me sick to look down at a Black person and think these things because it's not true. Like we're just being us. Like, it's okay to be loud, not saying all Black people are loud. There's tons of people, despite your race, that are just loud. That's just who they are. Has nothing to do with race. And I get so sick of myself, like, that I actually thought that way. That they were able to get into my mind so deep that I looked back, I looked down on our people and thought they were less than me. Damn, girl. That's very powerful because that is part of the only experience that, like, I personally haven't touched on yet is the assimilation to white culture and how we have to like it's out of survival because if we don't that's when we get ridiculed and kids make fun of us and it's just a horrible school experience so I can I 110% agree with you because I actually remember the moment that I was like I need to play this game I need to act the way that they want me to because if I don't I'm going to be off by myself and have no friends for from now until the end of high school. I had that moment. But what moment for you did you realize that you were black, but you had to play the game to fit in with all the white kids? Probably after high school, when I started working, because I never really I started saying it in like junior high school. No, I'm black. Like I should probably be acting a certain way because they're treating me bad just because I'm black, but it never really clicked until after high school. And I started working and I would look at other candidates who were trying to get their jobs. And one of my friends had told me, she's this Puerto Rican girl. I still talk to her now. She told me, she said, you have to go in here and you have to be better than them in order to get this job. Otherwise you're going to end up working at Burger King for the rest of your life. And I was just like, okay, I got to go in here and I got to be better than them than they are. So let me do that. And I went, I got myself a nice suit. I did, I straightened my hair. I used to relax my hair just like most women did. And I, I was like, let's go in here and just show them exactly how smart I am. I, at that point it was more anger because I wanted to prove them wrong. I'm not ghetto. I'm not loud. I'm not the stereotypical black person. So I'm going to let you know. And I would do it out of spite. Yes, I am very well-spoken. You can understand everything that I'm saying. I don't listen to hip hop. I don't like soul food. I don't drink Kool-Aid all day. Like I'm completely different. And they would be, they would say things to me like, oh, you're not exact. You're not at all what I thought you were. Or I'm very shocked that you don't listen to hip hop. There's no way that you don't listen to hip hop. And I'm just like, no, I'm not that type of black person. And that was me just setting myself up to be who they were. And that's who I was for a good like 15 years, like all throughout my twenties. And then, like I was saying earlier, when I hit 30 and I started listening to the younger black generation be who they are, despite anything, they're like, I'm young. 
but I don't listen to hip hop. I don't need to relax my hair. I can be this like goth person if I want to. And I was just so dumb shocked. That's crazy. Like you can actually be who you are and no one's talking about you. No one's judging you. I wish I could have been that as my younger self because I, I felt I missed out on so much. So here I am at 33 years old trying to figure out who I am still. Like, who is Kia? Who do I want to be? Do I want to go back into my high school years and be this alt goth chick? Do I want to live out my theater dreams and just be this like Broadway chick? Like, who is that? And I'm still learning that. But at the root of it, I know for sure that I'm a Black woman. I'm not trying to fit in with anyone else and say, oh, I'm going to live in corporate America and be in this white space because that's what I need to do. No, I'm a Black woman. You either take it and leave it. If you want me to be something that I'm not, then I'm not for you. This isn't the job for me. This isn't the right group of people for me. Like, you just got to move on and find someone else because I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. I'm really proud of you for healing. Like, that is so huge, especially like identity in general has been a hot topic of conversation ever since quarantine kicked off with the pandemic because we were all sitting at home with our own thoughts and using TikTok also as like a community tool. And I feel the exact same way when I actually first started using TikTok and I started seeing young black kids be into fairies. Like I love fairy stuff, but I never would have dressed like that in my entire life at school because I knew I would have got dragged so hard. But it's just the fact that we have these Black children who are now realizing their worth and realizing their potential and how they don't have to, like I mentioned earlier, fit in a box and fit in a stereotypical box because they're tired of it. I'm glad they're tired of it because we had to live through that. And I'm glad that they're taking the steps to not live through that. There was something that you mentioned earlier that I want to go back to about proving white people wrong. I relate to that so much because it honestly feels like an uphill battle all the time, at least in my younger years that I felt like I was constantly having to prove myself. And that's why I feel like up until this day, I'm burnt out and exhausted because ever since I was in elementary school, I've been trying to prove to people, specifically white people, that I'm a good black person, that I'm not hood, that I don't listen. I do listen to hip hop, but it's interesting that we do that, that we feel so wholeheartedly that we cannot be ourselves around these people because they don't give us the space to. I think a lot of it has to do with like media and what they project to us. Because growing up, even though I would watch some Black shows like Family Matters and The Cosby Show, you look at this family and you're still looking at them. That's still not me. That's not my family. My family didn't grow up with doctors. Like we're all over here struggling, barely having ramen noodles to eat. I've got three people in my bedroom. There's four people sleeping in the living room. That's still not my family. And it's it, it hasn't been until recently where I can look on TV and see a Black family that was the way that I grew up. Like I watch Atlanta and you don't see just like doctors and psychologists and like rich Black people running around in that show. People who still have ambition and drive and they have goals, but they're living a little bit how I lived. Like you have people crashing on couches. You have people with these like 
undesirable jobs, but they're still making it. They're not giving up on life. Like they're not telling me the only way that I can have this nice home is to become a doctor. That's a great thing to strive for, but it, it's realistically not possible for everybody. Like I wanted to be a doctor because of the Cosby show, but growing up, I'm just like, that's not possible for me. There's other things that I can do in life and still be just successful. Like my job now, I make possibly more money than the average person. Like I'm not wealthy by any means, but I'm more well off than where I started. And I'm not a doctor. And I feel like that's okay now. Like the media is telling me it's okay. Like I don't have to go to college. I don't have to work myself into the ground and just give my whole life dedicated to work to become successful. I can still go out there and live a very modest lifestyle and be okay because I, I see that represented now. But then there's still damaging shows out there. Like you look at the show Blackish, which is it, it the concept is great. Let's get it out there and show that black people can be and do whatever they want and black people are successful. But not all black families are like that. Not all black families can live in Sherwin Oaks. Not all Black families have two successful parents to give you like this great role model to look after. I want to start seeing more realistic families out there, especially since our youth is so tied to screens and watching things on social media and just regular media. We need to get better representation out there for what it really is like for the Black families growing up. I totally agree. I love what you're saying about representation and that we need it more. Besides media specifically, is there anywhere else that we need to have better representation for Black people? Everywhere, really. Like if I can walk down the street just to see more Black people at the stores, more Black cops, more Black firemen, more Black nurses, I feel I wouldn't have had such an identity crisis growing up. Because all I saw were white Mexican people. And I had no idea that as a Black person, I could go be anything. I was just like, be ghetto or live like the white people do. Like those, I felt like that was my only two options growing up because I didn't see anything else. I could remember the first time I even saw like a large group of Black people. I went on a road trip to New Jersey when I was like maybe 27. And I remember pulling up and just going into Circle K or something. And I was just like, there's nothing but Black people here. This is so cool. This is the coolest thing to me. There's so many Black people around. And I'd find myself like smiling at them, just so happy. Like, hey, like I'm here. I made it. And meanwhile, they're looking at me like, what is wrong with this lady? <laughs> like, why is she so happy? Like, why is she smiling at me? Like, is there something on my face? But they just didn't understand like where I came from. Like I'd never seen anything like that. And it makes me more excited to do even more traveling now and just see what it really is like out there for other Black people who grew up different. What would it be like for me? I had to recently do my ancestry because I'm still trying to figure out who I am. I'm like, at least I can start to find out where I came from, where I originated. So I'm like, trying to be real big into that because it's the only starting place that I really know but just I would say anyone who's looking for more representation on like the black family or just black people in general just get out there and travel 
Like go to the places that you know are predominantly Black. Go to Detroit, go to New York, go to Compton, go to Atlanta, go to these places and just be around us. Just jump into it because it, it just feels so good to walk outside and know that no one's staring at you because you're Black because they're all Black too. They're probably just sta- staring at you because you're staring. It, it's a completely different experience. I can totally relate to that. The first time I went to Atlanta was the first moment that I realized that I had never been in a space with that many Black people. And it was like, I think I was at a restaurant. It wasn't even anything that big. But I looked around and I was like, oh my God, compared to my white colleagues that I'm with on this work trip, there are more Black people here than white folks. And I was so shook. I even remember I called my dad afterwards because he used to travel to Atlanta a lot. I'm like, dad, this is insane. There's so many brown people here. Like, what is going on? He's like, I know it's nice, isn't it? Because we don't get to have those spaces very often, especially growing up in predominantly white spaces. It's a shock to us. It's a lovely shock because it's, oh, you look like me and nobody's staring. I was thinking when you were saying that, have you ever heard of like Afropunk? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, like I want to go to that so bad because it's just a sea of creative Black folks just living their best life. And I think that would be amazing, but that's just me. I know they had, I think it was last year, they had a Black Comic Con. And that is like the one thing I want to do. I'm like, I can live out my nerd life with all these other Black people who I didn't think existed and just have the best fun ever. So I want to round out our conversation. If there was one thing that you could say to the only community, the the people that grew up like us, what would you say to them as words of encouragement? I would love to tell them that it's okay to be you. Like you don't have to feel you need to fit into what they're trying to tell you to be. Like just be you and just know that it's going to be okay because 10 years from now, it's really not going to matter. Like, I know it's confusing and it may feel like you're conflicting yourself, but you're really not conflicting with yourself. You're just living in yourself, which is conflicting with society. And it's okay to do that. I would say as an adult, like conflict with society as much as you can. Don't listen to it because that's what's trying to keep you into that box. And growing up, they always say you can be and do whatever you want. That's part of being millennial, I feel, is everyone's telling you do and be what you want. And then society's over here saying, no, that's not really true. It's time to just ignore society and truly just be and do whatever it is that you want. I love that. It's so true, though. Like, we need more Black folks to know that regardless of what the media and what other people are saying about us, as a race, as a whole, that we are allowed to live our authentic truths regardless. We're allowed to be interested in different things. We're allowed to love theater. We're allowed to love anime. We're allowed to be multifaceted. And I think that's like the most important part of this episode, especially just talking to you, that we are allowed to be who we want to be. And now is the time. Yes, we had these really bad, maybe even horrible experiences growing up, But now as adults, we are taking the time to learn who we are, learn what we like and learn how we want to move forward. One last question, but what would you say to white folks who are listening to this podcast, learning about the only experience? What do you want them to know? I want them to know that it's time to just let the stereotypes go. 
it really is because not everyone is just a certain way, just how they always like to tell us that they're not a specific way and they don't smell like pennies. Let the stereotype go because it, it works both ways. If you don't like it, we don't like it either. And once you can see past the stereotype and really get to know a person individually, then I feel their life would be a lot less stressful too because they wouldn't be having the the same insecurities, wondering if we're thinking certain things about them either. Just let it go, live life, and just let everyone be happy. Thank you so much for tuning in to your only Black Friend podcast. Don't forget to follow and rate the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor, hopefully all five stars. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at your only Black Friend podcast to stay up to date on new episode drops. Are you part of the BIPOC community and have an only experience you'd like to share? Send me an email at youronlyblackfriendpodcast at gmail.com. And let's see if you can be on the show. Thanks, everybody. And shout out to all the onlys in the room. You got this.